So Joe Biden's illegal immigration crisis is real and it is really, really growing. Take a look at this graphic from the New York Times website. It's from today about border encounters in 2023. This is absolutely stunning. and I want to go through it in detail because it definitely shows just how open Joe Biden has left the border. So in 2023, again, this is according to U.S. Customs and Border Protection. There were 3.1 million attempted border crossings at the U.S. southern border in 2023. So the question becomes, one, what's driving that? And two, how many of those people got in? And it's question two that answers question one. If lots of people are showing up at the border and lots of people are getting in, that, of course, is going to drive more people to the border. So you had 3.1 million people showing up again at the southern border. And here's how this breaks down. 600,000 of those people entered undetected. That is an estimate okay, by CBP. Those would be the known gotaways. Now, there's a whole category here that is not even on the chart. Those would be the unknown gotaways. And we don't really have an idea of how many unknown gotaways there are. The way that we know the known gotaways is because there is camera coverage of large swaths of the American border. But we don't always have Border Patrol agents who are sitting on every single camera all the time. The way that it works is that you have these border cameras and they are loaded onto essentially giant pylons. And there are four of them pointed in all directions. But if you have one Border Patrol agent who's in charge of 20 cameras, there are going to be some people he doesn't see when they rush into the country, goes for a bathroom break, and suddenly that's when somebody comes through. According to the people I know at Customs and Border Protection, what you are really looking at is probably another 400,000 people who have entered undetected, minimums. You're talking about a million people who have entered undetected. This is in 2023 alone. Okay, now, that still leaves 2.5 million people who had encounters with U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Now, the way we tend to think of that and this is why a lot of this is weasel words. When you think of encounters by U.S. Customs and Border Protection, what you think of is a Border Patrol agent stumbles upon an illegal immigrant and tells him to go home. Wrong. That never happens almost ever. Okay, now, it used to happen a lot more under Title 42. Title 42 was a provision of federal law that suggested that if you were fearful that people were entering the country with disease, you could simply turn them back at the border. And that was used for several years in the aftermath of COVID-19. But it did end. So even in 2023, there are 565,000 people who are expelled under Title 42. 565,000 people. Those, effectively speaking, were the only people who were expelled. You had about 180,000 people who are voluntary departures and 185,000 people who are expedited removals. Those would be people who had like criminal backgrounds, for example. So the total number of people out of 3.1 million who received a deportation order or who were expelled 870,000. But remember, Title 42 has now gone away. So that means 560,000 people this year in 2024, if these numbers were to remain steady, would now enter the United States. That means that aside from Title 42, which again, was only in, a, it was only in application temporarily, under Title 42, 565,000 people are turned away. All those people would now enter, which means a grand total of 365,000 people who are actually removed or departed voluntarily because, for example, they realized that they were going to be dinged on a criminal background check. Now, we get to the people who were added to the docket and what happened to the rest of them. So of the people who were processed under Title VIII, that was 1.9 million people, only 365,000 of those people were actually removed. Every other person entered the United States, all of them. That means that you're talking about, just from this chart alone, 2.4 million people in 2023 who entered the United States. The vast majority of those people are here illegally. They do not have asylum-protected status, refugee status. That refugee or asylum status has to be proved in a court of law. But those people have not proved anything in a court of law. Instead, they've come to the border. They claim that they are, in fact, asylees from their home countries, that they are, are people who cannot go back because if they go back, they'll be killed or they'll be persecuted or whatever. And then because we are not processing them and because when we do process them, our standards are too low, we're allowing everybody into the country. So even according to this New York Times chart, you had a minimum of 2.4 million people who crossed the U.S. southern border in 2023. Now understand, by way of contrast, that during the entirety of the Trump administration, the number of border encounters during the entirety of the Trump administration was 1.6 million. You had 2.4 million people enter last year alone under Joe Biden. That is an insane number. And none of those people are going away. Once people are brought into the United States and they are given a date to show up later, vast majority of them are never going to show up later because why would they possibly show up? They've been integrated into American society. They're receiving whatever benefits they can receive. They're in California, actually real state benefits, maybe up to and including healthcare. 
Why exactly would they show up for a court date where they may very well be deported if they can't prove that they have a real asylum claim? So instead, they just stay. That is what Joe Biden has done. And he has done that because there were executive orders in place under Donald Trump that prevented a lot of this. Not only Title 42, but most prominently Remain in Mexico. Remain in Mexico said that if you showed up at the border and you said, I fear to go back to my home country. The Trump administration said, "Okay, wait in Mexico. We'll figure it out. We have to process you, but you need to wait in Mexico, which means you are not going to be released into the interior because there's a good shot that you actually would have to show up for your court case and then you would be rejected. And in the meantime, you can't just disappear in Chicago or New York or Atlanta or Denver or wherever. But Joe Biden got rid of that like day one. That was one of the very first things that he did was get rid of Remain in Mexico. That is the reason you are seeing this vast, extraordinary increase in illegal immigration at the U.S. southern border. It's amazing. So the impact of all of this is absolutely insane. What is that impact? Well, for example, so many illegal immigrants are now arriving on the East Coast of New York that they're being stored on like football fields. And when there's bad weather, they have to be moved somewhere. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, if you're looking to save money this year, but you don't actually want to sacrifice the quality of life that you're used to, Pure Talk has your back. Instead of paying your current cell phone provider 60, 70, 80 bucks a line, Pure Talk has unlimited plans starting just 20 bucks a month. You'll get the same phenomenal coverage you're used to on America's most dependable 5G network for just 20 bucks a month. That's how the average family saves almost $1,000 a year. Switch to a wireless company that shares your values, a company that is veteran-owned, that serves veterans, that isn't afraid to invest in shows like this one. So what are you waiting for? Switch on over to Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes and start saving today. Their U.S. customer service team is waiting to serve you. I've been using Pure Talk myself for a while now. I can tell you the coverage is crystal clear. And again, I'm giving my money to a company that doesn't hate my guts. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro right now. You'll save an additional 50% off your very first month. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro to be connected right now. Again, puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Start off the year saving on wireless with a company you can be proud of. So in Brooklyn, a school was legitimately shut down. The students told to learn from home because the school facilities had to be used to house illegal immigrants. Here are some video. You can see, this is just illegal immigrants who are getting off a school bus. And they're being brought, presumably, directly into the school buildings. This is what school buildings are for now. Your public resources being used to house illegal immigrants from foreign countries while kids are told they have to stay home from school and learn remote as though we're still in the middle of COVID or as though schools should have ever been closed during COVID. According to the New York Post, students at a Brooklyn high school were kicked out of the classroom to make room for nearly 2,000 migrants who were evacuated from a controversial tent shelter due to a monster storm closing in on the Big Apple. The city made the move amid concerns a massive migrant tent at Floyd Bennett Field would collapse from torrential rains and gusting winds, packing them instead into the second floor gym at James Madison High School five miles away. A local resident who identified himself only as Rob said, quote, this is effed up. It's a litmus test. They're using a storm, a legitimate situation where they're testing this out. I guarantee you they'll be here for the entire summer. There's 1,900 people getting thrown out into my neighborhood, half a block from where I live. And I don't know who they are. They're not vetted. A lot of them have criminal records and backgrounds we don't even know. One mom went off on the migrants as they pulled up saying, quote, how does it, how do you feel? Does it feel good? How does it feel that you kicked all the kids out of school tomorrow? Does it feel good? I hope you feel good. I hope you sleep well tonight. A local dad said, how do you feel stealing American taxpayer money? And I got to tell you, to a certain extent, I don't blame the illegal immigrants. I blame the authorities. Why the hell are the authorities not turning these people away? If you were somebody who is coming from, say, Ecuador, which is a disaster of a country, and you're trying to go to a better place, you also would want to come to the United States. But it is the responsibility of the American government to protect America's borders. A country without borders is obviously not a country. What's incredible to me is how the left has completely forgotten about this. It's totally insane. In 2015, here was Bernie Sanders making the case that we should not have open borders. Open borders? That's a a Koch brothers proposal. The idea, Of course. I mean, that's a right-wing proposal which says essentially there is no United States. But it would would make a lot of global poor richer, wouldn't it? And it would make everybody in America poor. Then you're doing away with, with the concept of a nation state. And I don't think there's any country in the world which believes in that. No one believes that, except for apparently large swaths of the Democratic Party. So how has Border Patrol been tasked? So Border Patrol has been told their first priority is that once someone claims asylum, you must, as a Border Patrol agent, make direct for them, like beeline directly for them. Now, I recently went down to the border. We're going to have a ton of material on this that is coming out. But let me tell you, 
The situation at the border is a full-scale disaster area. Border Patrol agents are being told not to actually police the border. They are essentially acting as a ferry service for illegal immigrants. Which is why you now have the amazing spectacle of illegal immigrants crossing the border and then sitting around and complaining that the Border Patrol isn't showing up fast enough like you would complain if you showed up at a hotel and the bellman didn't show up fast enough. Here is CNN highlighting illegals from China complaining about having to wait in the cold. They rush towards us. My mic not even on. But that doesn't stop this crowd of Chinese migrants from venting to producer Yong Shong. They're angry having to wait in the cold for Border Patrol. They say, we're all sick. We've been two, three days now. Three makeshift border camps we stop at in eastern San Diego County. Alongside migrants from Latin America, at each camp, we meet dozens from China. Hey, I have a question. Why would you possibly illegally immigrate to a country and believe that it is the responsibility of Border Patrol to house and warm you? Why? And the answer, obviously, is because the Biden administration has made clear that this is what they are going to do. And by the way, these illegal immigrants are not wrong. The Biden administration has, in fact, made clear to Border Patrol agents that their chief function now, 90% of Border Patrol agents have been staffed on essentially busing and administrative duties. At the border, there's an actual sign in certain parts of the border where you push a button for Border Patrol help. I'm not kidding. That's a real thing. Again, we're going to have a ton of material that's coming out about this because it really is stunning what's happening at our southern border. But the fact that Joe Biden has opened the border wide is clear to literally everyone. Now, what's amazing is that Democrats continue to claim that, that Joe Biden is on top of this thing. Joe Biden is not on top of anything. Joe Biden can barely get into a walk-in shower at this point. Here's Senator Chris Coons trying to pretend that it's the unprecedented border crisis that is motivating Biden to address the border crisis. But that, of course, is untrue. If Joe Biden wanted to enter, end the border crisis tomorrow, he could probably do it with a couple of executive orders. He's not doing any of that. There has to be dramatic action in stopping the flow of illegal immigrants into this country. Yes. And Joe, uh, that view broadly is shared that we need an immigration system uh, that is safe, that is humane and that is legal. Uh, and the numbers of folks who are presenting at the southern border seeking asylum uh, has motivated our president, uh, both in his first state of the union, uh, to call on Congress to legislatively address this and give him the powers he needs. And in the supplemental package he asked for months ago to ask for billions of dollars to strengthen border security. We disagree between Republicans and Democrats about what policies will most likely achieve that outcome. But there is a broad awareness that the huge numbers of folks who are transiting Central America and coming through Mexico to our southern border is just not sustainable. Okay, then why don't you stop it? And the answer is what Democrats want is they want more money for administrative functions. So they just told you, Border Patrol, 90% staffed on administrative functions. They want more money for administrative functions. They want to be able to broaden the ability of illegal immigrants to enter the country. They do not want the border policed better. And again, the drug cartels control the borders. Okay, let's just be clear about this. This is not individual illegal immigrants who are crossing thousands of miles by themselves through the snows, through the rains. They are paying coyotes. They are paying Mexican drug cartels in order to get into America. The industry here is enormous. As I mentioned yesterday, the Mexican drug cartels are making like $13 billion a year just on trafficking human beings across America's southern border. The cartels, are they spec out where on the border people should cross. They know exactly where to drop people off. They, they literally drive up to, up to the border in trucks, literally. They just drive up to the southern border in trucks because Mexico is a sovereign country. So Border Patrol does not have the ability to simply cross the border and do anything. They drive up in trucks loaded with hundreds of illegal immigrants and then just drop them there. That is the cartels, and they are making money off of it. And yet the Democrats are trying to facilitate all of that. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and get into the comfortable loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John, because as I slip into something more comfortable, my Tommy John loungewear set, I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, it's stylish enough to wear for a quick stroll to the park with my kids. And you won't look like you just rolled out of bed, even if you may have done just that. Tommy John uses luxuriously soft tri-blend fabrics with flexible four-way stretch. Plus, their fabric is non-pilling, meaning it doesn't leave behind lint balls or fuzz. And guys, you might be wondering how they can get any better. Good news. Their underwear, amazing. I mean, I've been using them for years, literally throughout all my other pairs of underwear. Incredibly durable. Their fabric moves with you. It's just great stuff. 
Plus, Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee protects your most valuable assets. So shop Tommy John. Get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Save 20% for a limited time at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. That's TommyJohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. As I say, even some members of the Obama administration are like, this is crazy. Jay Johnson, who is the former DHS secretary under Barack Obama, he has said this is crazy. Stephen Ratner, who served as counselor to the Treasury Secretary under the Obama administration. He has a piece over at the New York Times today talking about the situation at our southern border. He says, Democrats want more money to process the backlog. Republicans want to substantially narrow the grounds on which migrants would be permitted to remain in the United States. We need lots of the former and a bit of the latter. Uh, no, actually, we need a lot of the latter and not nearly as much of the former. He suggests that the Democrats push for more funding is correct. The country's immediate need is to unclog the immigration court system. No, that is not the immediate need. The immediate need is to close the border and then figure out what the hell to do with the people here. The problem is if you unclog the court system, that is going to facilitate more illegal entry. If you unclog the system, all that means is processing more people at the border. Now, he's saying that means that you'll get to more court cases faster. Yeah, but ICE isn't deporting anybody. So if people don't show up for the court cases. ICE is not going to go into their houses and then pick them up and throw them out. That is not something that Joe Biden has tasked ICE with doing. So saying that we need more administrative law judges who are going to adjudicate whether someone has a true asylum claim or not, unless they're going to do that within 72 hours, it ain't going to happen. Any delay where people are released into the country is going to result in those people remaining in the country. He says we must reduce the flow to the border, which will require making immigrating into the U.S. by such means more difficult. Even Ratner says, as Republicans have long demanded and Democrats are coming to see as necessary, our obligation under international law to provide asylum need not create chaos. For starters, we should require asylum seekers to apply in Mexico or other countries, right? This is the Remain in Mexico policy that Trump attempted to do and then Biden basically killed. Also, says Ratner, we need to tighten the asylum criteria. For example, we should make a greater distinction in the asylum process between those who followed established procedures and entered the country through an established port of entry and those who crossed along our border between, between ports of entry. Well, no, actually what you need to do is tighten up what it means to be a person who should receive asylum. Which Ratner admits, he says, while recognizing the need for due process, we should raise the legal standard for consideration for asylum from a significant possibility that asylum would be granted to something closer to the standard used for final decisions in immigration court. We also may need to further limit the use of humanitarian parole, a program expanded by the Biden administration that allows more migrants from places like Venezuela and Nicaragua to temporarily enter the country and apply for relief. As heartbreaking as it may be, we simply cannot take every refugee from every failed state. Okay, all of that is true. And you know where all of that stuff is? That's all in H.R. 2. That's exactly the bill the Democrats are currently rejecting. All of it's in H.R. 2. Democrats are currently rejecting it, which means this is an ideological thing. And Joe Biden could simply reinstate the policies that Donald Trump had in place and the border flow would stop. It would stop. We didn't have anything remotely like this flow at the border under Donald Trump. It just didn't exist in anything remotely like these numbers. There's only one reason for that. The only reason for that is not climate change and it is not discontent south of the border. It is simply because Joe Biden is an open borders president and every single person knows it. And this issue is going to bite Joe Biden directly in the rear, as it properly ought to. And meanwhile, more bad news for the Biden administration with regard to the economy. According to Axios, the global economy of the 2020s will be more bleak than the decade that preceded it with sluggish economic activity, less trade growth and crushing borrowing costs. This is the new warning from the World Bank on Tuesday morning. They say the global economy so far had its weakest performance in more than 30 years. Growth is slowing. Further threats from geopolitics and tightening credit conditions, quote, as the world nears the midpoint of what was intended to be a transformative decade for development, the global economy is set to rack up a sorry record by the end of 2024, according to the World Bank. Global growth is going to slow for the third consecutive year to 2.4%, down 0.2 percentage points from 2023, according to that Global Economic Prospects report. That would be nearly three quarters of a percentage point below the average growth rate in the 2010s, the slowest half decade of GDP growth in three decades. And it's going to get worse because stagnation, high borrowing costs, the breakup of globalized trade thanks to a lack of American involvement in foreign policy, all of that is going to end up with a more fragmented and polarized world that is going to make things significantly more expensive for you, more difficult for you to get credit, more difficult for you to build a business. That is the future of the United States under our current economic trajectory. We'll get to more on that in a second. First, 2024 is full of unknowns right now. The one thing I know for sure, postage costs will continue to increase in the new year. If you haven't yet, 
You need to check out Stamps.com today. Stamps.com has been helping businesses like yours save time and money for 25 years with easy access to USPS and UPS services and premium rates for all your postage needs. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels right from your home or office space. It's incredibly convenient. You can prepare your shipping labels in minutes so you can get back to running your business sooner. We don't waste time here at The Daily Wire. We've used Stamps.com since 2017. Our office management staff loves Stamps.com because they don't have to spend hours at the post office anymore. Stamps.com offers rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off USPS and UPS+. Plus. They'll automatically tell you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable to over a million businesses. You can bring postage wherever you do business. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. They even send you a free scale. So you have everything you need to get started. Sign up at Stamps.com slash Shapiro for a special offer that includes four-week trial, free postage, free digital scale, no long-term commitments, no contracts. Just go to Stamps.com slash Shapiro. Meanwhile, the incompetence at the White House absolutely continues. We have now learned that Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, was diagnosed with prostate cancer and did not tell the president for literally weeks According to Politico, doctors on Tuesday disclosed the reason Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was hospitalized on January 1st was due to complications from a late December surgery to treat prostate cancer. Answering a major question involving the Pentagon chief's mysterious health situation, but raising further issues with how the episode was handled. This was announced yesterday by the Pentagon Press Secretary, Major General Patrick Ryder. He says the defense secretary was treated for prostate cancer. Now, we were told it was an elective surgery. An elective surgery does not mean an unnecessary surgery. It's not like a nose job. It just means that you can elect the time to do it. It's not like an emergency surgery, but it seems like if the secretary of defense has a surgery for prostate cancer, he should probably let somebody know. Here's the Pentagon press secretary announcing this. Uh, this is a statement from Dr. John Maddox, trauma medical director and Dr. Gregory Chestnut, Center for Prostate Disease Research of the Mirtha Center director at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, beginning uh, the statement. As part of Secretary Austin's routinely recommended health screening, he has undergone regular prostate-specific antigen PSA surveillance. Changes in his laboratory evaluation in early December 2023 identified prostate cancer, which required treatment. On December 22, 2023, after consultation with his medical team, He was admitted to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and underwent a minimally invasive surgical procedure called a prostatectomy to treat and cure prostate cancer. Okay, so then he says that Austin has taken responsibility for transparency issues. Well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that, well, good good for you that you go missing for like a full week and nobody knows, including your number two, and you've taken responsibility. No, usually responsibility comes with, you know, like a resignation. The department recognizes the understandable concerns expressed by the public, Congress, and the news media in terms of notification timelines and DOD transparency. And I want to underscore again that Secretary Austin has taken responsibility for the issues with transparency, and the department is taking immediate steps to improve our notification procedures. Okay, well, um, you know, why was the notification procedure not already in place? This seems like a pretty obvious one. Why do you need new notification procedures for? I'm getting prostate surgery, and the number two should be aware of that. She was on vacation, by the way, like abroad. <laughs> Meanwhile, John Kirby admitted yesterday, the national security spokesperson, he admitted yesterday that Joe Biden was informed yesterday about Austin's prostate cancer, you know, like the same as we were, which is not great. The Pentagon already talked about when... Uh, the secretary was diagnosed. It was early December. And as their statement said, in consultation with his doctors, he elected to have the procedure done later in the month to co- coincide with the holidays. And as Kareem rightly also said, this, the president didn't know about the diagnosis until this morning. But his, his reaction is he wishes the secretary all the best for a speedy recovery. Now, Kirby was asked, um, don't you guys have a credibility problem? So let's just say that, for example, you had a president who seems to be in the throes of dementia. Why would we possibly believe anything you guys have to say about his health situation, considering the SECDEF just went completely absent for a week while having prostate cancer surgery and told no one, and no one even bothered to note it inside the administration for a week? Why should we believe anything that this administration tells us about anything ever again? I think we all recognize, and I think the Pentagon has been very, very honest with themselves about uh, the... um, the challenge to, to, to credibility by what by what has transpired here and by what and by uh, uh, how, how 
how hard it was for them to be fully transparent with the American people. I think we all recognize that. And, and wait, wait, now, just give me a second now. I, I know you got another one coming here, but, but we all recognize that this didn't unfold the way it should have on so many levels, not just the notification process up the chain of command, but the transparency issue. We all recognize that. Okay, well, then why are there no consequences or results? I mean, the fact that Austin is still working there is pretty insane. It's pretty crazy. And it does raise the question. It's like, who's in charge? Why is it? I thought the adults were in charge. Wasn't that the pitch? The pitch was, if you elect Joe Biden and not Donald Trump, you won't have this chaos anymore. The world will be a solid place. We'll go back to normal, right? Normal will be the new normal. And instead, what we get is the world on fire, an economy in the midst of stagnation, the greatest illegal immigration crisis of our lifetimes, and a president who's wandering around into walls occasionally. Like that, that's what we got. That doesn't seem like the world's most amazing pitch. Meanwhile, things continue to heat up in the Middle East. And again, one of the reasons things heat up in the Middle East is because of a perception of weakness. The Middle East runs on perception of strength. It is how the Middle East runs. It has always run this way. This is not an arena where goodwill is bought by pretty words. That's not how any of this works. And yet that seems to be precisely the policy that is being undertaken by the Biden administration. They're sending mixed signals all the time. On the one hand, they are providing support to Israel. On the other hand, they're chiding Israel for trying to win a war. On the one hand, they're saying that they're going to prevent Houthi attacks on shipping. On the other hand, they're kind of letting the Houthis attack the shipping and then issuing strongly worded statements. So which is it? Because it turns out the perception of confusion on the other side leads to a belief by Iran's proxies that they can do what they want in the region. And that is raising the temperature dramatically. According to the Washington Post, quote, disagreements between the United States and Israel over the Jewish state's treatment of Palestinians emerged during Secretary of State Antony Blinken's visit to Israel on Tuesday as leaders aired opposing views over when Palestinians can return to northern Gaza and receive tax revenue collected by Israel. Blinken told reporters, these are their revenues. They should have them. Who are they? Who are they? By what mechanism will these tax revenues be dispersed? That would be the big question. Like, where does the money go? It's not as though Israel just drops a helicopter filled with money over the Gaza Strip or over Janine. The money will have to go somewhere. Presumably, it would go to the distributing authority in Gaza, still Hamas, which is still presiding over there. Where would the quote-unquote Palestinian tax money go? It would go to Fatah, the military wing of the Palestinian Authority. The Palestinian Authority is literally paying the families of people who murdered people on October 7th. Why should Israel give money to that group? And these are the mixed... We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, not only do blinds enhance the aesthetic appeal of your home, they also offer practical benefits. By effectively blocking out harmful UV rays, they help protect your furniture and flooring from fading, ensuring your interiors retain their beauty for years to come. Their insulating properties help regulate the temperature inside your home, keeping it comfortable year-round while potentially reducing your energy bills. With over 40,000 five-star reviews, Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings. You can measure and install them yourself or have Blinds.com send local professionals to take care of the installation for you. There's no showroom, no retail markets, no matter how many order installation is just one low cost. And if you don't have an eye for design, blinds.com experts are always available to help choose the style and color right for you. Everything they sell is covered by their perfect fit and 100% satisfaction guarantee. With hundreds of styles and colors to choose from, blinds.com is sure to have the perfect treatments for your windows. Shop blinds.com's anniversary sale right now through March 13th for up to 50% off. Again, save up to 50% off for limited time at blinds.com. And when you check out, don't forget to tell them you heard about them at the Ben Shapiro show. Rules and restrictions may apply. So on the one hand, you have Tony Blinken saying the correct thing, that Hamas could have ended this October 8th simply by surrendering and giving up the hostages, and they didn't. Here was Blinken saying the right thing, and then we'll see Blinken saying many of the wrong things. I think it's very important to remember that everyone has choices to make, and that includes Hamas. Hamas could have ended this on October 8th by not hiding behind civilians, by putting down its weapons, by surrendering, by releasing the hostages. None of the suffering, none of the suffering would have happened if Hamas hadn't done, did what it did on uh, October 7th and had it made different decisions thereafter. Okay, so that happens to be correct. But then on the other hand, he's like trying to hold Israel's arms behind its back. He suggested yesterday that the big problem is that Israel is somehow taking steps undercutting Palestinians' ability to govern themselves effectively. 
Um, I have a question. When have Palestinians ever governed themselves effectively? Name a time. Like any time. Bueller? Bueller? This crisis has clarified. You can't have one without the other. And you can't achieve either goal without an integrated regional approach. To make this possible, Israel must be a partner to Palestinian leaders who are willing to lead their people in living side by side in peace with Israel uh, and uh, as neighbors. And Israel must, be, uh, must stop taking steps that undercut Palestinians' ability to govern themselves effectively. Extremist settler violence carried out with impunity, settlement expansion, demolitions, evictions, all make it harder, not easier, for Israel to achieve lasting peace and security. Okay, this is absolute stupidity. This is stupidity. Okay, what he's saying at the beginning of that quote where he says, the goals are attainable together. What are the goals? One would be peace with the Palestinians and the other would be peace with the surrounding Arab states. So he's going back to the old John Kerry line that the only way to achieve peace in the region is to make concessions to terrorist groups, which of course is a lie and the opposite of the truth. Israel was able to engage in the Abraham Accords under the Trump administration because the Trump administration made clear that economic ties with Israel in no way depended on Israel making concessions to, say, the Palestinian Authority. When he suggests that what's undercutting Palestinian self-governance is, for example, settlement expansion, why? Why? I have a question. Why is building an extra bedroom in a front? Why does that have anything to do with the fact that there has not been an election inside Palestinian-governed areas for nearly two decades? Explain. Seriously, I want to hear why. I want to hear why it is that Israel, allowing, for example, the expansion of Neve Daniel, is somehow impacting the fact that the Palestinians refuse to elect governments that actually pick up the trash. Please explain. Please explain how Israel completely abandoning the Gaza Strip, removing 8,000 Jews from the Gaza Strip. No settlement activity, nothing happening there. Complete self-governance by Hamas. Why exactly did that not result in something beautiful? Was that also because of Israel? Like, this, this is all so stupid. But again, the reason that he's sending these mixed signals is in the hopes that somehow this is going to buy the love of the Egyptians or the Saudis. He's completely misreading the room. The Egyptians and the Saudis do not believe that the Palestinians are capable of moderation or self-governance. You know why they believe that? You know how I know they believe that? They won't take in any Palestinian refugees. None. And one of the big questions here that the United States keeps raising is, you know, there are members of the Israeli government who have said that they want Palestinians to leave Gaza. Okay, forget about that for a second, because Netanyahu says he's not going to do that. Let's talk instead about the fact that if you were living in Gaza, might you want to leave? Hey, might you want to? Not a great place to live. Haven't been a great place to live for a very long time. Not a lot of people moving to Gaza. Not tons of people who are like, you know where I've, even before all of this, we're like, you know where I'd love to live? Under the auspices of Hamas in Gaza. So what if people want to leave? Well, Egypt won't take them. Saudi won't take them. Jordan won't take them. No one will take them. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Could it be because, historically speaking, Palestinian populations have been a destabilizing force in every region where they have entered? And could that be because they are extremely polarized? Could it be because the Palestinian population itself is extremely, extremely radical? And that doesn't mean that everybody's a terrorist, doesn't mean that people deserve to be killed. What it does mean is that if you're going to assess the security situation in the Middle East without that factor, you're completely missing the deciding factor on this issue. You're saying that Israel can only make some sort of peace with Saudi Arabia, for example, by somehow making concessions to governments that dictatorially rule radical populations. I, I don't even understand the logic there. It doesn't make any sense at all. But it's those mixed signals that are being read in the region. And Iran is reading that, which is why Iran continues to push. Iran isn't isn't ratcheting things down. Iran is ratcheting things up. Why? Because Iran is going to continue to poke and they're going to continue to prod until they're slapped across the head by somebody. And it wouldn't require the United States to, quote unquote, invade Iran. It wouldn't require a full-scale war with Iran. It would require, for example, killing a bunch of Houthis along the coast in Yemen to stop them from holding up global shipping, which is something the United States actually does have a pretty strong direct interest in. But the Biden administration refuses to do any of that. Okay, meanwhile, the question becomes on the other side of the aisle, can Donald Trump take advantage of all of this chaos or is he going to create a grease fire here on the stove of his own? We'll get to that in a second. First, you may have noticed that we at The Daily Wire, we like biology because biology says there are only two sexes. We're not afraid to say it. But some of our loyal customers pointed out a flaw in our Jeremy's shop. We only cater to one of the sexes. Well, Jeremy's Razors is all about equal opportunity to shop the woke-free economy. And that's why we have Jeremy's Razors for the ladies. Because women deserve the same quality woke-free blades as men. Two sexes, two razors. It really is that simple. 
When God makes a new sex, Jeremy's will make a new razor. Plus, we have a line of personal care products for our better halves, including moisturizing shave cream, lotion, body wash, and deodorant. Ladies, head on over to jeremysrazors.com. Get your razor and personal care products today. Okay, meanwhile. Now, again, you would imagine that all of this would provide fodder for a Donald Trump run. Now, let's be clear. Donald Trump isn't yet the nominee. There are some polls out of, for example, New Hampshire that are showing Nikki Haley in a pretty solid position in New Hampshire to possibly win that state. If Chris Christie, it's hilarious to me that Chris Christie continues to pretend that he's a person in this race. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who has an ego problem. I'm not sure there's ever been a politician like Chris Christie who literally just stays in races to allow the person he claims to be the greatest threat to the Republican Party to win. Like Chris Christie being in the race in New Hampshire is so unbelievably insane. I can't even explain how dumb that is. I mean, in New Hampshire right now, the latest polling in New Hampshire from CNN and University of New Hampshire shows Trump up 39-32 on Haley. That's spitting distance, right? And Chris Christie is pulling 12%. Why is Chris Christie in this race? I love that he's basically like, screw it, man. I'm staying in no matter what, for no reason, just to be a jackass. You got to respect that. You got to respect the play. Meanwhile, in Iowa, by every available poll, Donald Trump is way out ahead of the field. According to most polls, basically Haley and DeSantis are running neck and neck in Iowa. Now, again, Iowa is not a direct polling state. Iowa is a caucus state. So the fact that DeSantis has done a lot of heavy on the ground lifting in Iowa, I think that means he outperforms his poll numbers in Iowa. But right now, obviously, Trump is up way ahead of the rest of the field. When it comes to South Carolina, I'm always surprised that they don't do more polling of of South Carolina. It's always kind of shocking to me. But there has not actually been a lot of polling of South Carolina in the GOP nomination process. The polling that there has been at this point shows Trump well ahead of the field. The latest poll average from 538 puts Trump up at 52.9%, Haley at 24, and DeSantis down at like 12.7%. So like way ahead of the rest of the field combined. If Haley were to win New Hampshire, you would expect to see a bit of an upsurge. for. But let's assume for the sake of argument, because that's where the stats are, that Trump is the nominee. Well, the reason Trump would be the nominee and, and the reason that Trump presumably would be a formidable challenger to Joe Biden is because, again, people look at 2019 and they look at 2023 and they say 2019 was better than 2023. I think most sane and rational people don't blame Trump for COVID because how could you possibly do that? That would be a weird thing to do. Jamie Dimon, he, uh, he recently said that the reason that people are voting for Trump is because the economy under Donald Trump was better. I think we should stop insulting the other side, including MAGA. I'm I've mentioned publicly many times that a lot of people are voting for President Trump, not because they believe in his family values, but they look at some of the things he did. He grew the economy. Uh, he was right about NATO. That they should spend more money. He was right about pointing out about China. Uh, you know, he was right about that. You know, some regulations do not cause positive output. So that's why they're voting for him. And I think the Democrats should be a little more thoughtful when they talk about MAGA and say, why? Not not like and then not, don't act like every attribute of Trump is an attribute of them. It's just not true. Okay, he is right about all of that. So you know what would make this a lot easier is if Trump would just talk about that. Again, Trump has the easiest campaign in the world. His campaign involves looking like Donald Sutherland at the end of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, pointing at Joe Biden. That's the entire campaign. He just goes, and that's it. That's the campaign, right? Look at that guy. That's the campaign. Instead, we're going to get the grease fire. So apparently Trump's camp trying to claim that he has presidential immunity for everything involving January 6th. That's a weird claim because again, There is a difference between Donald Trump's sort of political aspirations and Donald Trump's public duties as president of the United States. And so the arguments that his lawyers are now being forced to make on behalf of presidential immunity are a little weird. According to the Wall Street Journal, the legal reckoning for Donald Trump entered a critical stretch Tuesday as a Washington federal appellate court signaled it would reject the former president's claim he's immune from prosecution on charges he plotted to overturn the 2020 election. Now, by the way, this doesn't speak to the guilt or innocence here. It doesn't speak to whether it is criminal to espouse a specious legal theory, which is, in my opinion, what Donald Trump was doing for a couple of months there. That's not criminal activity. That's just arguing really, really dumb crap in a court, which people do pretty frequently in this country, as it turns out. But putting that aside, the presidential immunity theory that Trump is putting forward here is just bad. It's not a good presidential immunity theory. Right? So he is suggesting, apparently, that he has immunity for literally everything he did while he was president of the United States. In fact, Trump warned of bedlam if he was denied immunity. Here he was explaining. Numbers came out today that are uh, really very mind-boggling if you happen to be Joe Biden. And I think they feel this is the way they're going to try and win. 
And that's not the way it goes. That'll be bedlam in the country. It's a very bad thing. It's a very bad precedent. As we said, it's the opening of a Pandora's box. And that's a very, that's a very sad thing that's happened with this whole situation. Uh, when they talk about uh, threat to democracy, that's your real threat to democracy. Okay, so it is a threat to democracy to remove him from ballots willy-nilly. That's a threat to democracy. It is not a threat to democracy to say the president does not have immunity for literally everything he does while he's president of the United States. The argument his lawyers are making is that the impeachment clause in the Constitution requires that the president be impeached before he's criminally tried for any sort of offense. And so the judges were like, ah, really? The question they asked was, if the president of the United States, for example, ordered SEAL Team 6, to assassinate his political rivals, could he then be charged on that without being impeached? And Trump's lawyers were like, no, (laughs) he'd he'd have to be impeached first, which is a wild statement. I mean, that that seems very, very difficult. The idea that, that somehow the president could order the murder of his political rivals and immunity would still guard him for that. Like murder domestic... American political rivals. First of all, that would create the um, that would create the prospect very obviously and easily of the president of the United States. Let's say, for example, he were impeached and he had not yet been convicted by the Senate. So he ordered SEAL Team 6 to kill everyone in the Senate who would vote for his conviction. And now there's no one left to vote for his conviction and thus criminal conviction. Again, this is this argument is not going to fly in court. It's just not going to. So Trump is not going to be immune. The problem is, if we're ta- every moment we're talking about that sort of stuff, we're not talking about the fact that Joe Biden is an awful, terrible, very not good president. And let's be real about this. When it comes to the feeling of chaos in the country, it is not simply coming from Trump. Now, Trump's best argument is, in fact, an argument he is making, which is that the threat to democracy is coming, the call is coming from inside the House. Joe Biden is the one who's claiming his opponents are insurrectionists and therefore, theoretically, ought to be banned from ballots. Meanwhile, we do live in a country where journalists routinely joke, apparently, about the assassination of Donald Trump. Caught on a hot mic yesterday, Donald Trump was arriving in court on this particular case. Journalists were caught on a hot mic joking about Donald Trump being shot. You know, the worst part is, even if he has his window open and he's hanging out of it, he'll be on the other side of the <laughs> I mean, if he's driving, we've got a good shot. Yeah, if he's driving with the front window open. Yeah, or if it's a convertible. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. Like if he just pulls up like, like JFK. Yeah. It's like a JFK, a Lincoln. <laughs> I think it's one time they did. No, I'm not. Oh. Maybe someone uh, they told JFK, you know mm. what you should do? You should take a convertible. <laughs> it's so nice out here. I know, joking about the JFK assassination. Okay, we still don't know who these journalists are, but uh, I have a feeling that they will be exposed and probably lose their jobs over something like that. All of this obviously contributing to a feeling of great unease among members of the American population on both sides of the aisle. As I've said before, we have now set up a model by which violence is very likely to break out no matter who wins the election. If Donald Trump wins, do you think Democrats are going to take that line down? Or do you think that they're going to claim that dictatorship is inevitable now? I mean, that's literally what Joe Biden is arguing, that the Nazis are in charge if Joe Biden wins. I mean, if, if Donald Trump wins. And, and if Donald Trump wins, do you think that things will remain calm in the streets? I think not. Meanwhile, if Joe Biden wins at this point, And Donald Trump has been hit by his DOJ in two separate jurisdictions in Washington, D.C. and Florida. Do you think that that Donald Trump supporters are going to take that line down? Or is his case that he has been rigged out of the election again going to be a lot more credible this time than it even was last time? Things are going to get very, very nasty in the country, which, of course, is is why The Washington Post is running pieces like violent political threats surge as 2024 begins haunting American democracy. Now, the entire article is largely about the evils of Donald Trump supporters. But let's be clear, the threats of violence are not coming from only one side of the aisle. The amount of of violence that is now being threatened against common American citizens, forget about public officials, is really significant. And it's going to continue to rise because the feeling is that institutions have failed. And as the feeling that institutions are failing grows in impact, chaos comes in its wake. By the way, this is not a uniquely American problem. You're starting to see this literally all over the world. There's a feeling that the institutions of government in many Western countries have failed large swaths of the population and people are beginning to take to the streets in response. So a big story that's been undercovered by the media has been this huge farmer protest 
in Berlin. According to the Associated Press, farmers blocked highway access roads in parts of Germany on Monday and snarled traffic elsewhere with their tractors, launching a week of protest against a government plan to scrap tax breaks on diesel used in agriculture. Chancellor Olaf Scholz's unpopular three-party coalition infuriated farmers last month by drawing up plans to abolish a car tax exemption for farming vehicles and diesel tax breaks. Those proposals were part of a package to fill a giant $18 billion hole in the 2024 budget. That hole in the budget is really an environmentalist hole in the budget. Here is what some of the pictures look like. I mean, you can see this is insane. I mean, they're snarling up like all of Berlin. Here's some of the video. Looks very much like the Canadian truckers protest over the COVID-19 shutdowns in Canada. And you're going to see this sort of stuff happening in Western capitals all over the place. The protests are under scrutiny after a group of farmers on Thursday prevented the Vice Chancellor Robert Habeck from disembarking a ferry in a small North Sea port as he returned from a personal trip to an offshore island. That incident drew condemnation from both government and opposition figures as well as the Farmers Association. There are a lot of people on the left in Germany who are deeply worried that this is going to boost the right, which, of course, it will. I mean, that's exactly what happened, by the way, in the Netherlands. So all over Europe, there are lots of farmers who are saying, listen, you have put your green dreams on our back. You've said that we can't farm anymore. You've put all sorts of restrictions on our use of nitrogen in the soil, for example. You have basically forced us to consolidate all of our farms and take out debt to do so. And then you've prevented us from doing the farming. This is what led to the giant Dutch nitrogen crisis, which is still rocking the country. So that's happening in Germany. It's happening in the Netherlands as well. All of this is um, is just part and parcel of a broader right, right-wing uprising that is happening across the continent. Over in Poland, you have a true constitutional crisis that is breaking out as well. So Poland has a very weird kind of government structure. You have the prime minister who has most of the power, but you have the president who has veto power and the ability to approve governments and not approve governments. You also have two separate courts, the Supreme Court and the Constitutional Court of Justice in Poland, and they sort of cover different areas? Well, it turns out this division of power has led to the domination of one of those divisions by the right wing and one of those divisions by a European integrationist party led by Donald Tusk. Well, this in turn has led to a standoff between these two wings of the Polish government. According to Politico, in a dramatic escalation of Poland's battle to restore rule of law, the police entered the country's presidential palace on Tuesday evening and took two MPs into custody who had been hiding under the protection of the president, whose name is Andrzej Duda after being sentenced to prison terms for abuse of power. The arrest cut to the heart of a fight between Duda and the new prime minister, Donald Tusk, who is seeking to unravel eight years of rule by the Nationalist and Conservative Law and Justice Party. Duda is aligned with PIS and still has considerable ability to thwart Tusk's attempts at reform. Basically, there were two convicted lawmakers who had been given a pardon, and Tusk is now arguing that the pardon was no good, And the president saying the pardon absolutely was good. Duda says he pardoned these two in 2015 during their trial for using fake documents in an earlier attempt to incriminate coalition allies of law and justice. They were hoping to destroy that smaller coalition party and then integrate the members. And apparently that failed and the government blew apart. In 2017, Poland's Supreme Court ruled the presidential pardon was not effective because it was granted before a final verdict in the case. So they were saying that you can't preemptively grant a pardon before somebody has been convicted in criminal court. But the Constitutional Tribunal which is the other court, which usually describes constitutional issues, they said that the pardon was in order. So now you have a battle between the Constitutional Tribunal and the Supreme Court, between the prime minister and the president in Poland. All of this because you basically have gridlock in Poland over the future of the country. The parliament of Poland is bicameral, but the lower house is called the same. It's spelled S-E-J-M, but it's pronounced same in, in sort of American. And uh, the biggest party there is the Law and Justice Party. They still have 194 out of 460 seats in the parliament. And so they still dominate a lot of the proceedings. So you have this breakdown in Poland. You have breakdown in Poland. You have breakdown in Germany. You have breakdown in the Netherlands. You have breakdown in France as well. So one of the big problems in France right now is that Emmanuel Macron is deeply unpopular. The rising party is the nationalist party that is led by Marine Le Pen. Right now, The Le Pen party is leading in the polling by a significant margin. According to Politico in Europe, Macron is looking to rejuvenate his troubled second term after facing mass protests against pensions last year and bitter dissent within his own camp over an immigration bill, which left his governing coalition badly bruised. Macron's pick comes as the president. He he just picked a new prime minister who's like a 34-year-old guy, and he passed over a bunch of members of his own party in order to do so, creating real discontent within his own coalition. His pick comes as the president currently holds a 30% approval rating. His coalition trails the far-right national rally by about 10 points in European election polling. 
So France is about to turn to the right. You have Italy, which is turned to the right. You have Germany, which is beginning to turn to the right. You have France, which is starting to turn to the right. In fact, this is leading to crisis calls, I think good, inside the European Parliament. Because inside the European Parliament, there is a rise of right-wing parties. This means that the head of the European Parliament's liberals, who theoretically could create sort of a center-right coalition, is outright refusing to work with any of the right-wing parties. Polls suggest that the current coalition of conservative social Democrats and liberals in the European Parliament will cobble together a majority, but only just because right and far-right groups are surging in popularity. The head of that liberal coalition, whose name is Stéphane Sejourne, he said, we are risking an ungovernable Europe. It is quite real in terms of arithmetic. Sejourne is close with Emmanuel Macron. He said he won't agree to work with the far right in the next European parliament. He refused to align with the Nationalist European Conservatives and Reformist Group, the ECR, which contains the Law and Justice Party, as well as Spain's Vox Party, as well as presumably the National Rally Party in France. So they're going to try to hold the center. Good luck to them. Good luck to them. Because again, as all of these institutions feel like they have bit off more than they can chew and they are failing and their aspirations for a green new world order are falling apart, the backlash is very real and it's only going to grow. Alrighty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be joined on the line by Dr. Eitan Chaim, a whistleblower out of Texas Children's Hospital. He uncovered the hospital was medically transitioning children, allegedly. He's now being investigated by the DOJ for violating HIPAA. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 